you, Richard. It's good when we hear God speak to us, isn't it? And it's good to build in time to reflect on that. And I'd encourage you as you go out from the service today, just to, just to hear what Richard's said, what God said through Richard, and just reflect on it and, and weigh it as we should do whenever we get a word from the Lord in our services. It's always a, a, a pleasure to come and, and preach. It's also a kind of honour when you come on a Sunday where you've got a baptism, where in a sense the baptism is the sermon in a, in a picture. And as I said in our prayer times earlier, there's a, there's a series of kind of pictures and things that are just going to come out of this morning's uh, talk that hopefully that you'll see and sense and discern God's spirit in. And they all focus around this theme of our extraordinary God having the capacity and the ability to break into our ordinary day-to-day lives. So today we've reached the start of chapter 3 in our studies of Acts. Over the last two chapters, Luke has narrated his way through some of the most momentous events in Christian history. So as we approach the beginning of chapter 3, we can pretty much guarantee we're not more than a few weeks from Pentecost and not more than a few months from the death and resurrection of Jesus. We find ourselves at a watershed of human history, a watershed in the lives of the early church and a watershed in the lives of early Christians. Which way is it going to go? Well, today's passage is the first of a series of passages that start to give us the answer and give us some clues. Let's have a look at our passage. I'm going to try and step out of the way so you can see it as well. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said to him, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So what is God saying through his word to us as a church today? What is he saying to us as individuals? Well, I believe he's speaking to us about how an extraordinary God can break into our ordinary lives. In particular, there's three areas I think we're going to pick up this morning. So the first is that God can do extraordinary things in our ordinary lives. The second is God's intention for our lives exceeds our expectations. And the third one is God releases his power into people's lives in the name of Jesus, when we're bold enough to ask and to act. So let's start off by looking at verses 1 and 2. 
Now, this might be hard to believe for you, but this day in Jerusalem was just an ordinary day. I don't know how many momentous occasions you've been through in your lives, good things or bad things, but one thing you very quickly realise is life just keeps going on around you. I can remember walking across four-lane ends in Newcastle-upon-Tyne when we'd just come out of the doctors to have it confirmed that Debbie was pregnant with Matthew. And we were... Thank you, Matthew. This is his number one son. Um, It was good news. It was good news. And we were caught up, as you are, with your first child in the euphoria and the enormity of the fact that we were going to be parents. But as we were in that bubble... People were crossing in front of us, going from the dentists to the bakers and from the bakers to the butchers and from the doctors to the estate agents. To them, it was just an ordinary day. Now, verse 1 and 2 of our passages we see brings together the lives of two sets of people who were just having an ordinary day. And when they started off on that day, they had no idea that at some point their days were going to converge and God was going to work in them and through them. The first was the disabled man. He's actually described in the passage as a lame man, and we'll come back to the reason why he's called a lame man in a minute. And he's locked in the grind of the daily life and routine that he had. He would spend his days like any other, being moved from religious site to religious site, from gate to gate, from shrine to shrine, from synagogue to synagogue. A grinding daily routine, trying to be the most prominent, trying to be the loudest, trying to look the most needy, all in the hope of receiving a few coins, food for the belly, wood for the fire, dependent on his family and friends, looked down on by those in his community. Now, Peter and John, I'm beginning to wonder whether they were ever going to have an ordinary day ever again. They'd experienced the deepest valley of the crucifixion, the mountain top of the resurrection, the valley of the ascension where they got Jesus back and they thought he was there and he was going to change the world and then he was just taken away. And then the mountain top of Pentecost. God was doing extraordinary things in their lives, things beyond anything they could have hoped for or imagined or asked about. So in the midst of this God-inspired roller coaster, what do they do? Well, what they seem to do is seek the security and the solace of an ordinary day. The daily routine of prayer, the company of fellow Jewish Christians, space, time to think. Because remember, all of the Gentile Christians couldn't go where they were going, into the courts of the temple. It was just the Jews. Time to think, to process, to discern what would be next in God's plan. Just wonder what your daily routine is like. You might be in the midst of a mountaintop experience, or you might be in the depths of a valley. Maybe you care for a relative or your partner. Maybe your day-to-day responsibilities at work seem to be a burden. Maybe the care of your children overwhelms your identity. Maybe day-to-day living is consuming every last ounce of your available energy. Maybe, on the other hand, you're right in the middle of the mountaintop. You're up there, 
looking over everything. God's alive and at work in your life and you're trying to make sense of everything that God's saying to you and doing in your life. Well, whatever the routine, today's passage, God can can speak into your life. God can speak right into your circumstances and your situation. We have an extraordinary God. And through Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit, he can break into your ordinary life, my ordinary life, your day-to-day routine, my day-to-day routine. Now, I'm conscious that many of you will know that my background is as a primary school teacher. In fact, I spent 23 years working in primary schools. Now, one of the joys of working with little children, um, especially very, very little children, is they go through phases in their life when they absolutely, certainly believe certain things. I mean, one of those things is the fact that as soon as they start school, everything their teacher says is right and everything you say as a parent doesn't count for diddly squat. And that kind of lasts through to they're kind of in their mid-primary years. But the other thing is they genuinely believe at a time in their, their life that the teacher and their head teacher live in their school. That is where they live. And so if you happen to bump into one of your children in Waitrose or Little or Aldi, there you are met with complete incredulity. Why are you here? You are only present in school. How can you have a wife and children and a normal life? You only exist in that one place where I encounter you. As Christians, if we're not careful, we can fall into the same trap of believing that the only time and place we can meet God is here between 9 o'clock and 1 o'clock on a Sunday. We're rather like that little child. We forget that we can meet God at any place, at any time. Now, the Jewish people, as we know, had a really strong sense of God being found in a place. The mountaintop, the tent of the meeting, the tabernacle, the ark, the temple. These were places, special holy places, where God was present. But our passage of scripture rests in a really important part of time, when this was starting to change. The temple curtain was split from top to bottom. I do like the old translation that says it was rent asunder because it gives a sense of it literally physically being ripped apart. The Holy Spirit comes down on tongues of fire in Pentecost. The presence of God is now no seemingly longer confined. The church, the body of believers, become the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's tangible presence and power floods out across Jerusalem and then ripples out across the whole of the known world. Signs and wonders, we're told at the end of chapter 2, are happening in the name of Jesus. And through that echoes the voice of Jesus, where two or three are gathered in my name. I am there also. Images flood into mind of Jesus breaking into people's lives, not when they were in the synagogue or the temple, but right where they were. The woman at the well. Nicodemus, the religious leader at the dead of night. And Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house. Let's step aside a second. Repentance, forgiveness, absolution, salvation is not found in the temple in Jerusalem. It's found in the house of a repentant tax collector. Today, salvation has come to this house. And if salvation comes to Zacchaeus' house, 
salvation can come to any of our houses. Now these, my friends, are not history lessons. This is the lived reality of Christians from the first day of Pentecost. And it's the lived reality of those of us who sit here today. However, it is easy for us to revert back to the sense that we can only meet God in this place or in another church on a Sunday morning. The daily grind of life can squeeze out of us the reality that our extraordinary God can meet us in the midst of the ordinary lives. The lame man was not in the temple because he couldn't go into the temple because he was lame. He was on the steps of the temple and Jesus met him right where he was. God can move in our ordinary lives amidst the joy, amidst the pain, amidst the mundane. He can move in power. We're going to stop at various points in this little talk and just pray, and this is one of them. So would you join me in prayer? Lord, we know you are an extraordinary God. Would you come and move in my life, my ordinary life this week? May I experience your presence in new ways, and may you release your power in the name of Jesus into the situations I face. Amen. Amen. So secondly... God's intention for our lives exceeds our expectations. Now, Rich picked up this point beautifully a couple of weeks ago, that God's intention for our life exceeds our expectations. So often we can sell ourselves short in our expectation of what God wants for us or what we are being called by God to achieve. Let's look a little bit closer at our disabled man. Here was a man disabled from birth, and Jewish culture was such that disability, especially congenital disability, was seen as a sign of sinful behaviour, a sign of God's punishment and his judgment. Disabled people were, as we'd said, unable to enter the courts of the temple. They weren't deemed to be clean enough, they weren't deemed to be pure enough to be near the presence of God. They could not work, and therefore they had one option. Well, they had two options. They could either beg or they could starve. Now, you might be surprised to know that our disabled man was theologically literate. He knew his scriptures because he knew the commands of God that said to the Jewish people, look after the poor, look after the marginalised, feed those in need, give alms, provide for them, care for them. And so he had his family place himself exactly where he thought he would get the greatest blessing from God. However, his expectation didn't match God's intention. So here's a question. How many times have I placed myself exactly where I thought I needed to be to receive God's blessing? How many times have I unintentionally sought to place limitations on what God would give me or how God would bless me because I've done my spiritual research, I've read my Bible and I've placed myself exactly where I think God needs to be, that I need to be to get God's blessing. God's intention for the disabled man was way beyond his expectation. And God's desire to bless us, to fill us with his Holy Spirit, to transform us, to renew us consistently and repeatedly outweigh our expectation. 
Paul in his letter to the Ephesians said this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is in work with us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now those of you who are very observant, your little antennae will be starting to just to kind of tweak at the moment, because this is the third week running we've heard this from God through our sermons. We heard it two weeks ago with Rich, we heard it last week with John, we've heard it again today. So I think we can kind of get the hang now that God is starting to tell us that we need to be more expectant and to see what his intentions are for us and to expect more and receive more. But imagine the impact on our lives and the impact on this church if we just got 10% of what God was intending for us. Silver and gold have I none, said Peter, but what I have I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up. And walk. Let's pray again. Lord, time and time again, my expectation of you and your ability to touch my life and transform it falls short of your intentions. Help me to see that you, all that you intend for me this week and open my life to you, to receive you in Jesus' name. Our extraordinary God breaks into our ordinary life. So thirdly, God releases his power into people's lives in the name of Jesus when we're bold enough to act. One of the most awe-inspiring things about our extraordinary God is that despite the fact he created the world, despite the fact at this moment he is sustaining it and nurturing it, despite the fact that his presence is everywhere, he chooses, yes, he chooses to work through ordinary, flawed human beings like me and ordinary flawed human beings like you. Pentecost births the church, a movement of ordinary people empowered by God through the Holy Spirit to carry his message of salvation to the ends of the earth, to heal people and set people free in the name of Jesus. This is what we witness in chapter 3. Two ordinary men called by God, full of the Holy Spirit, bringing healing to a man disabled from birth in the name of Jesus. Two ordinary men, bold enough to act when called by God to do so. But folks, here is the miracle. The man wasn't just healed. In his healing, he filled a messianic prophecy that went all the way back, hundreds of years, to the book of Isaiah. Then, will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped? Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute shout for joy. Now, I'm not a biblical scholar. I don't know enough Hebrew or Greek, but what I do know from reading my commentary is that phrase, leap like a deer, is exactly the same phrase grammatically that's used in Acts chapter 3. The man was healed. Up he went, and he leapt like a deer. So the boldness of Peter and John not only unlocks the man's lameness, his disability, it also unlocks the messianic prophecy which was now fulfilled in the sight of the astounded Jews as they watched this man, disabled from birth, with strong ankles, leaping and shouting and dancing for joy. The lame will leap like a deer. Sometimes God calls you to be bold in stepping out to speak a word of wisdom or knowledge over a friend or member of the church. It can be challenging, but these voices remind us 
that in our lives we often have latent promises and latent prophecies that have been prayed over us. They sit there quietly, waiting for the time when God will bring them to fulfilment. If you don't know Jesus, you need to know that the Bible is rammed full of those promises, each one sitting waiting for you at that point when you become a Christian, so that you metaphorically, like the disabled man, can leap for joy. Our boldness brings not only healing in the name of Jesus, it also brings the fulfilment of the promises of God. In closing, and to encourage you, many of you know that Matthew, and he's, he's over there, um, got married in June and moved to Edinburgh to start a new life with Gemma. So a quick... Hooray! I'm going to be killed over lunch now for that, for embarrassing them, but that's good. Now, but over the summer, Matthew struggled to get a job. Things were starting to get tight, and as I was sitting at my desk in September, at the first week of work, about 5 to 12, tapping away, something that was spoken in a sermon that I'd been listening on the way to work suddenly popped into my head, I've really got to send Matthew this word. Be bold, be strong, the Lord your God is with you. Context, Joshua standing on the side of the River Jordan. God tells him, get ready to cross the river because you're entering into the promised land. So, 12 o'clock text went off. 3 p.m. back comes a text saying, I've just got an interview. Two weeks later, he had his interview and he's now started his job. Now, if you are slightly on the Thomas scale of things and you think I've overrated that, there's the evidence. That's, that's a screenshot from my phone of the grace and goodness of God. So, but you see, the thing is, that's not common practice between Matthew and me. It took courage on behalf, my behalf to send it. Um, you had to scrape me off the floor when I realised God was in the midst of what was going on, which was somewhat embarrassing since I was at work at the time in my office. But the point of it is, if God can work through me, he can work through you. Because fundamentally, apart from the fact I'm slightly masochistic and stand up here and preach occasionally, I am no different from you. I'm just an ordinary person. And so therefore, God, our extraordinary God, is as capable of breaking into my life and Matthew's life as he is breaking into your life. So... That's the story. The thing is, when God's at work, the impact of us being bold enough to act can change people's lives. Peter and John could have missed the disabled man because he would have been there every other day. But something that day made them stop. God made them stop. The challenge for us is when that happens, are we bold enough to act? Because if we do and God is in that situation, it can literally transform somebody's life. It can change it. It can turn it upside down. Just going to go back a couple of slides. There we go. In the first service I said this, and I just want to say it again. I just want us to remember the first recorded miracle in the Acts of the Apostles, other than Pentecost. The first one is if someone rejected and marginalised and unable to enter the courts of the king. But through Jesus and the healing of Jesus, that man walked, leapt, danced, jumped into the courts of the king. That is a really clear picture, friends, of salvation, that those of us who are unable to enter the courts of the king because of Jesus... We can do. So, in closing, he says, 
skipping back. We've looked at three things this morning. God can do extraordinary things in our ordinary lives. God's intention for our lives exceeds our expectation. God releases his power into people's lives in the name of Jesus when we're bold enough to act. I've just witnessed the most wonderful baptism. And in that baptism, we've seen exactly that. God can do extraordinary things in people's ordinary lives. That God's intention for our lives and Jabba's life it was far, far greater than he ever could have imagined when he stepped into England on, for the first time ever. But in that process is the boldness of people like Ian and Jill who are prepared to act and to witness in the name of Jesus. I'd love you to get in touch in the next few weeks with either me or Marion just to let the church know so we can celebrate what God has done in your life. Where he's broken into the extraordinary, the ordinary with the extraordinary, where his intention for you has far exceeded that which you could ever imagine, or where your boldness has unlocked and fulfilled the promise in somebody else's life. Let's just conclude simply with this verse, which is both a blessing and a prayer. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more, more than we all can ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Becca's going to lead us in some closing worship.